This is the Public Record Podcast. Well, my guest today, we're really privileged to have Scott White, the CEO of the Visit Greater Palm Springs, the Convention and Visitors Bureau for the Coachella Valley. Happy to have you, Scott. Thank you. It's great to be here. Long time no see. I know. It's been too long. For the pandemic, we haven't seen anybody. I know. It's crazy that uh, it's hard to believe what we've been through for the past two years, but we're glad it's over. And you've been here a long time now. How 11 long years. Been? 11 years. Wow. And I remember when you came. Yeah. Been that long. Well, wonderful to have you. And I think you have some new economic studies to share with us today. Give yeah. us some highlights. So we um, every year we typically try to analyze and understand what tourism, um, the impact has on the Coachella Valley. Mm-hmm. And obviously it, it supports a lot of jobs. Typically it's over 50,000 jobs, but we did lose quite a bit um, during the pandemic. Um, but, you know, everybody's hiring fast and furious. So I think we're getting back to those numbers as well. And there's a lot of pent up demand for travel. There is, um, you know, and I think um, we were one of those great destinations that had a lot of outdoor activities. So we were very popular during that time frame, not only for visitors, but I think for people to relocate here. Um, that you know, remote working is becoming much more popular. So mm-hmm. I think we converted a lot of those visitors into residents, which is nice to see. And you know, in a normal year, we typically get about 14 million visitors into the destination. About half of those are what we call day trippers. People are coming in for the day to mm-hmm. uh, visit family and friends, go to the tram, living desert, go to events, whatever it may be. And then the other half are coming in and staying overnight in hotels, uh, vacation rentals. Um, and then last year, uh, we started to see that kind of creep back up again. We did about 12 million visitors last year. And then during the pandemic, it was about 8 million visitors. Uh, you mentioned the remote workers. Do you have any stats on that? I don't. I wish there was a, a, a data source that we could access. I know people that were living in Minneapolis or Chicago and Seattle and other places that are now living here and going back and forth. And based on what's happened with the real estate market, it, it certainly seems like a lot of people decided to relocate here all at the same time. And what a great place to live. I mean, we do have electricity here. We have fast <laughs> internet. It isn't what you might think. We even have a big airport. We have an international airport here. We have an international airport that's growing. And, and we have a second airport down in Thermal. What's the name of that one? Thermal Airport. Yeah. Oh, Jackie Cochran. Jackie Cochran, yes. that's right. And that one has a lot of private jets for those who can afford that sort of luxury. It's been very busy. Very and, busy. Um, good friend yep. Denise at Desert Jet. So when was this study done? The study, the study just came out, and this was for um, 2021. You know, we went from 14 million visitors down to 12 last year. But That's still pretty good given the circumstances. It is pretty good, yeah. We fared much better than, say, uh, San Francisco, Seattle, yeah. Portland, some of the major city areas. The resort destinations have definitely done better. We were able to keep messaging to the customer throughout the entire pandemic, and certainly we adjusted what the message was. You know, during the pandemic, we were asking people to stay safe, wear your mask, get vaccinated. We did PSAs. We never really stopped messaging. And then once things started opening up again, we started communicating about inspiration and the things that were happening within the destination. The one area that probably everybody got impacted the most was group business. Meetings went away completely for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a lot of companies didn't want to take the risk of having their employees or their their guests or the attendees coming in and get COVID and then they get stuck and so forth. But group business has come back. Very strong, especially for our destination. We're seeing it back to 2019 levels in terms of the leads for future. Mm -hmm. So I think the rest of this year will be very, very strong. We see 2023 being strong, and then we're starting to see leads for 24 and beyond. So I think there's a lot of interest in the destination, uh, and it certainly helps being able to market and promote our, our community. And I think one of the things, people don't realize how we're funded 
um, there's no tax dollars used to fund the organization. So it's, it's really funded um, through um, a business improvement district. Mm -hmm. And the business improvement district is with hotels that have 50 rooms or more, and they have an assessment. And we just added vacation rentals uh, last year. Mm. So vacation rentals pay into our organization now as well. Uh, we're a JPA, Joint Powers Authority, so we did get some, some funding from the cities. Uh, although we're giving a little bit of that back each year now. We did this year, and we're going to do it next year as well as a grant. So we're giving some of those funds back to help improve visitor services, mm -hmm. visitor experiences, I guess, into the destination. Mm -hmm. So different cities are using them in different ways. So we're kind of excited about that. And I think also one of the things that people don't realize is that, you know, I know sometimes people get frustrated with visitors in town. Maybe they're driving too slow or they're taking up all the restaurant space, whatever it may be. But if we didn't have tourism at the level we do today, each household would have to spend almost $4,000 a year back to the city to maintain police, fire, and the services that we're getting um, if, if tourism didn't exist. Right. So it certainly does improve our quality of life. It, it, you know, I know we're in California, so it's kind of odd to say it keeps our taxes lower, but I mean, it does help us a little well, bit in the region. Well, it should be said that whether it was tourism or high tech or some other industry, a community has to have business in order to provide those services you named, yeah. uh, regardless of what the industry is. So it isn't tourism's fault that they have to have business here. You know? and, and I think that you know, having we have such great restaurants that have really, I think, proliferated over the last few years. You know, the hotels have done great. The attractions, the events, the new arena that's coming online, the BMW Performance Center um, out east, um, the Living Desert, all the different attractions. The tennis gardens the museum, have come back. So all yeah. the things that are happening, I think that was a catalyst for uh, remote workers to come into the destination. Because certainly we have great weather the majority of the year. Uh, and we have a great environment in close proximity to San Diego, Orange County, and L.A., which is, is a plus as well for those that are maybe moving here from a big city. Um, but I also think all the amenities and things to do. So that's why, you know, I think it's a, a symbiotic relationship between the local community and the tourism industry in terms of all the amenities and things that are happening. And so that's one of the areas that we're really focused on, working with the cities on how do we improve those experiences? How do we adapt them? If you think about it, our destination was physically designed as a seasonal winter kind of destination. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we're talking to our counterparts about, whether it's hotels and restaurants, but mainly cities, is a lot of our pedestrian areas are not shaded. And as we know in the summertime, if you're in shade, it's great. But when you're in the, when you're in, we're in the sun, it's a little bit difficult. So we're trying to say, hey, we need to kind of look through our destination a little bit differently and say, okay, what can we do to continue to enhance the visitor experience, but it will also benefit residents. So if you're um, in a, in a, if you're in downtown Palm Springs or El Paseo or, you know, Old Town or wherever you're at, how can we start to integrate more shade, more opportunities for people to get out of the direct sunlight to enjoy that, you know, the glass of wine, a beer, lunch, dinner, whatever it may be, walking in between shops. You mentioned uh, the uh, remote workers. Are you doing any kind of outreach to that group? Well, they're, they're, it's a difficult one to identify. So we, we have been advertising that this is a great place to remote work. So our, in our advertising into those markets, those key markets, like I said, the Northwest, the Midwest, and so forth, we've been advertising that come and remote work here, even if it's only for a week or two. So if you're going to take a vacation or if you just want to get away, because a lot of companies now uh, that we see are saying, hey, if you want to go work for two, three weeks somewhere on the road and, and not take vacation, you can do that. So we want to make sure that our destination is front and center in front of the high-tech industry or any of those industries that really are allowing that environment. So we're doing a lot of digital marketing saying, hey, this is a great place to remote work. 
um, come down. You can either you know rent a home or stay in a hotel or whatever it may be. And so we've been doing that now for well over a year. Yeah. Um, Is there a name for that? Is it like Road Warrior Workers or something? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I'd have to ask the marketing team for. <laughs> that's very. I hadn't heard that idea before, but what a wonderful company to offer that kind of experience. Oh, to be able to remote work like yeah. that. It's mostly high tech, I think, from what we're reading, is they have the most flexibility because they can work from anywhere. It's sort of but... like a working sabbatical. Exactly. Yeah. So they, they can get away, they can get out of where they're at and uh, come to a destination like this and continue to work. They don't have to take vacation. Um, we certainly have seen that during like spring breaks and things like that with families with kids coming in. Um, you know, they may be working for a couple of days, take a couple of days off, work for a couple of days. Um, so we're seeing more of that. Tell me about the growth of the hotel industry in the Valley. Are more rooms being built? More rooms are being built. Um, we've had some nice growth over the last few years. Obviously, it slowed during the pandemic. We've got some nice hotels on the horizon. The Thompson Hotel up in Palm Springs is back under construction again. Nice to see that going. Uh, we're still waiting on the montage and Pendry to break ground, but things look like it's moving in the right direction as well. Um, so we, you know, we want to make sure that whatever growth happens in our industry is is sustainable. Um, we don't want to have oversupply because that'll just really take away from the existing hotels that are in the destination. So mm-hmm. again, we try to work with our city partners and 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 make sure that when they're bringing in a product, it's going to drive new demand for the destination and certainly the Thompson Hotel will, the Montage Pendry, they're going to drive new types of visitors that have a following for that brand, which I think is really important, versus maybe adding another layer of existing type brands that are in the destination. So we want to be careful of that. Uh, we saw that when the Kimpton Hotel was being built in Palm Springs. Oh, yeah. You see the type That's of customers that are coming property. in. They're, they're, yeah. they're driving new customers, typically a younger audience, uh, high-tech, again, IT-type audience as well. So that's introducing our destination to a whole new brand. And then plus, if you look at a brand like Kimpton, they, you know, within their their audience that they're communicating to, there's lots of people that uh, were loyal Kimpton, maybe followers that didn't even know uh, much about our destination. And now they're being introduced to that and the fact that it's here. So we're excited about the new hotels that are coming online, the brands they represent the demographics they represent as well. So it's an exciting time to be in the destination. Talk to me about the business traveler. You know, Las Vegas has kind of the same weather we have here. And, uh, you know, it's hot in the summertime. But they seem to be able to maintain airport service. And we're going to talk about the airport in a minute. uh, Pretty much year-round because they fill that summer gap with convention business and meetings. Uh, Is that something you're trying to do here? Yeah, that's been a huge priority for us is how do we fill in the summer months uh, and, and some of the need months as well. But really, summer has been the focus both for leisure, which I think we've done a really good job as a, as a destination. Uh, weekends now are much busier. The demographics that are coming out, you know, when I got here 11 years ago, um, it was we called it the cooler crowd. They'd show up, but they'd bring their cooler with all their own food and drinks hmm. and, you know, and so forth. And now what we're hearing from the hotels is that the, the demographics that's coming out, they're actually – ordering from the bar, they're going into the restaurant. So it's a different type of audience that's coming out. We typically, if we don't sell out, we're pretty close to sold out on the weekends. So our priority is how do we get occupancy higher in that kind of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, exactly. Thursday time frame. And Vegas does that very well with they, that business customer. Yeah, they do yeah. that very well with, with the group business. And now that we have Southwest Airlines, um, we're getting closer to having that opportunity. Our challenge in the past has been is that we would lose two thirds of our flights come June yeah. right? because we were so seasonal. Now, summer air service is up. I mean, our, 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 our number of passengers we had last year uh, got to almost a half a million in those kind of shoulder months. Uh, the number of seats have grown by almost 
Certainly Southwest has helped that. Having that brand is going to help with group business. So that's a priority for us. We're going to continue to try to drive year-round air service, especially to the hubs. Um, Chicago, Dallas, Denver, Atlanta would be great. New York would be great. Um, so we do you, were, not, do you not have JetBlue coming into the airport? We do. We have JetBlue yeah. coming in from, from and New York. And it's coming in from JFK? It is, yeah. uh, but it's seasonal. So it typically uh, starts you know, uh, you know, September, October. It kind of varies from year to year. It's a little bit tough right now with the pilot shortage. And then they'll, um, they'll end about um, April or May. Again, it just kind of depends. The first year, we only had them for four months. And so we really tried to help stimulate that to get them year-round. So that's one of the conversations we want to have with them and we are having with them is how do we have – New York year-round. How do we have Atlanta year-round? That would be a home run to have JetBlue from New York year-round. Year round. Yeah. yeah, and you know, and 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 you know, and a lot of people when I would talk about year-round, they're like, "Oh, you're, you're you're crazy. It's hot here. People won't come." I go, "Well, I was in Phoenix for eight years. Exactly. And, That's and right. Saw, you were at Phoenix, and I saw Phoenix grow yeah. and what it can accomplish and what can be done. And you know, if you can get people there in an efficient manner in an affordable manner." You know, they're going to look at you. Well, and then exactly. B, you have there's to give a, them something to do, right, when the, they come here. But there's always a value market, and for those who don't want to pay the premium season rates, they want to, they can come in the summer. Yeah, you know. exactly. So, You're going to be indoors. There's a customer. It's not that hot outside. There, there is a customer for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and that's why we talk about how do we just start to design the infrastructure in the community to accommodate that summer traveler. And again, the, really the key here is is shade, shade, shade. Chill pools, experiences that are happening at night. Nightlife is important. One of the things that I always thought that we could emulate and try to copy is you look at Austin and Nashville. They have a lot of live music. We're so close to Southern California with all of the the talent and the artists that are there. I think if we had more live music venues, smaller ones, mm-hmm. um, various different sizes, I think that's certainly going to be a priority for us as well as how do we grow that market segment. Because, I mean, I think as we get a younger audience – you know, they want things to do late at night. Right. And certainly the you know, the, the, the tribes, Fantasy Springs, Agua Caliente, with the entertainment venues that they have, have been a huge help. I think the arena is going to add another dimension to all of this, which would be helpful. Um, but if we can get some of those kind of, you know, bar, restaurant type areas where you can fit, you know, 100 people or so and have some live music, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be critical in the long run. And and if you really think about it, a lot of this revolves, a lot of this success revolves around having that Cal State campus in Palm Desert. Mm. So right now we have the Cal State San Bernardino. It's a satellite campus. Right. And if we can get that to be a standalone Cal State Palm Desert and grow that to eight, nine, ten thousand students, think about it. I and mean, that that was one of the advantages we had in Phoenix is we had ASU with thousands of students driving nightlife, driving entertainment options. Oh. And then they're also a workforce, right? So a lot of them want to work part-time. Mm-hmm. They're going to work in the restaurants. They're going to work in the hotels. So I would say, you know, our biggest priority as a region from our industry standpoint, other than all the things I've talked about, is we've got to get that Cal State campus. Um, we've got to get Governor Newsom in the state to recognize that we need a campus here. We deserve a campus. Um, it's important for lots of different reasons. So hopefully, I know that um, uh, the city of Palm Desert and um, CVEP and Priority One and that group, everybody's been working hard to try to advocate to the state to get that campus and get it a standalone. They're making good progress, but we got to keep, you know, kind of got to keep pushing on it. I think from lots of different angles within the community. About do you know what do the trigger that? is to make that happen? Does it have to reach a, a profitability, so to speak, or a number of students served? There was, there was, I think there was a, a trigger on the number of students and so forth, but the state came out. 
unfortunately, right before the pandemic, and they said they were going to open up another campus. And they started shopping around and looking around, and they actually had a group of people looking at different destinations, and they did an analysis. There's no question that the campus should be here. So the Cal State campus, to me, I think, is probably the biggest number one priority that all of us as a community should really get behind. It's really going to help diversify our economy, help workforce development, help nightlife, help lots of different aspects of our community uh, in a positive way. Yeah, and a year-round economy can only help your efforts to, you know, bring airplanes to the airport year-round. Well, let's talk about the airport. Okay. So who do we have there that's kind of year-round now? You have um, well, we have the San uh, Francisco Southwest one. is year-round. Who's the uh, – uh, We have airlines. We have American. We have United. Uh, we have Southwest. Alaska is the one Delta, I was thinking of. We have yeah. Alaska yeah. as well. Uh, Alaska this year added non-stop flights to Austin, which was nice. Mm. I added non-stop flights to San Jose. So now we have San Jose, San Francisco, Oakland, and Sacramento. Mm -hmm. So we have the entire Bay Area covered, So, uh, which is great. And, um, and what do you have coming from uh, Canada? Is it so Calgary? from Canada, we have Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Edmonton. Uh -huh. And then uh, Toronto is, is very seasonal. I think Air Canada is coming back uh, in the fall from Toronto, which will be an important one. Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg. That was one I'm missing, uh -huh. Toronto. Uh, JetBlue. Uh, has played around Boston a little bit for one month out of the year. Oh, they're, that would be a good kind one. Of yeah, testing that a little bit. Uh, we had Nashville with Allegiant, Indianapolis with Allegiant, Chicago with American and United. Uh, we had Southwest for a little while during the holidays. Try that out. Mm. We'd love to see them Southwest year round to Chicago and to Dallas. Um, Houston with United, Denver obviously is a huge hub with United and Southwest, which is really good. Salt Lake City is a hub for Delta, and that airport's growing. We had Provo, Utah this past year in Boise. Um, so, and then Phoenix is a hub for us, typically usually with American and in, in Southwest and of course, Southwest of Vegas. I think that was the number one question I got 10 years ago running is like, when are we going to get a flight to Vegas? When are we going to get the flight to Vegas? So if anybody that has ever asked about going to Vegas, and if you drive to Vegas, I'm going to be very upset. Everybody should be on the plane, flying to Vegas, making sure we're supporting that service. And believe me, you don't, I was just in Vegas about a month ago, and you don't want to do that drive. I, I had not been probably for 10 years, and I thought it was all freeway. But it's like this little divided <laughs> 1955 Route 66 road that yeah. takes you there. It's terrible. And, and that airport's great. Even if you're not going to Vegas, and if you're not even – let's say you're, you're not a Vegas person, and you say, oh, I don't want to fly to Vegas – Vegas goes to a lot of destinations, so what you could do is use that as a hub, even right. though it's not really designed as a hub, but you can. And I noticed on my last flight there a few months ago, um, there wasn't as many people in baggage claim, so I'm thinking, okay, they're connecting on to other flights, because uh, you can almost get to about anywhere in the world from Vegas. So it's a great kind of um, hub connector for us. Now, PSP, Palm Springs Airport, yep. is billed as an international airport. Are there truly international flights coming in there? Well, it's, it's really Canada because you have pre-clearance. So what uh, we don't have at the airport is we don't have customs and border patrol uh, uh, you know, there. So um, the new airport director, Harry, um, and Daniel that's over there as well, I mean, I know they're looking at that. They're working on a, on a long-term plan. That's one of our, I guess, uh, wish list. If we could have a list, wish list would be to have an international terminal there where we could go after some international flights. There are some cities in Canada that don't have pre-clearance that would love to fly here, like mm -hmm. Victoria. Would love to fly here some of the airlines. I would think some of the Asian markets would love coming here. Mexico mm -hmm. as well. We know that we could um, add some flights from Mexico, and certainly people from here would love to probably go down to Cabo or Puerto Vallarta or Cancun or something like that on vacation and vice versa. I think they would love to come up here and um, go to meetings here or go to events to be in P. Paribas and some of the other things that they're 
real popular with international destinations. Well, I'm just so excited to hear what you're, you've been working on, the success you've had, and uh, you've just been a real asset to the community. We, we thank you for your hard, hard work and your service. Anything you want to add before we wrap up? Just want to thank you for everything you do. We're keeping us educated, and I love the destination. I love being here. It's my second time coming back to the destination. I moved here in 1988. I worked out at Esmeralda until 96, and coming back in 2010, it was amazing to me how much the destination had changed, mm -hmm. but yet it hasn't changed. And I think one of the things that we look at is how do we maintain the experience and the brand that we have? How do we grow and maintain that experience? So we don't want to turn into a Phoenix Scottsdale, you know, become like a... You don't want to be a me too. We don't, yeah. We, I mean, we want to make sure that we maintain our identity. I mean, it's obviously not our choice, but it's certainly we're trying to communicate again back to our city partners and our board members and everybody in the industry is like... This is a special place. How do we keep it special? How do we grow in a sustainable way to make sure we're not overgrowing? Uh, and it's okay sometimes to say, no, we can't build that. Or, um, we're or at gonna, least or, not yet. Or, or we're going to change it or whatever it may be. So yeah. I, I think that's an important factor because we don't want to lose what makes this destination special. Uh, there is still room to grow, uh, but we want to make sure that we do it in a manner that is um, really respectful of the environment, respectful of the destination and really kind of um, honors the legacy of what we have here. My guest has been Scott White, the CEO of Visit Greater Palm Springs. You can find them at visitgreaterpalmsprings.com. The Public Record Podcast is a public service of the Public Record, the Coachella Valley's Business News Weekly. If you enjoyed today's program, please share it with your friends and click that subscribe button on your favorite podcasting service. I'm Managing Editor Ken Allen saying thank you for listening and reminding you to make someone's day with something nice to say. We'll see you next time. <laughs>